Welcome to episode 41 of Instant Expertise Marketing. We appreciate you listening in. Today, Sherry and I are beginning a five-part series that's all focused on ABM, which in case you don't know, is account-based marketing. We're going to be sharing insights on how to create your own ABM program from scratch and also how to improve conversions in the program you've already got. I'm Yvette Brown, co-founder of X-Promos. I became an entrepreneur at 23 by starting a promotion agency with my then 29-year-old business partner, Sherry Nomadi. And I'm Sherry Nomadi. Yvette and I approach business from opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, the opposites attract theory. Well, and as it would have it, we do always come to the same conclusions on how we help our clients succeed. So let's get started with this ABM thing. So Yvette, I know you're really passionate about this. Why don't we talk a little bit about what is ABM? And then more importantly, I think like, why should people care about it? Yeah, just a quick history lesson on ABM. Um, the phrase account-based marketing has been around since the early 2000s. Um, ITSMA was actually given credit for that in 2004. But really, ABM didn't start to become a thing, a big deal in the marketing space till about 2013. We marked 2013 as that anniversary because that's when it actually appeared on Google Trends as an actual global search. From our perspective, ABM is really just a new marketing strategy that's based on um, tried and proven proven strategies and tactics. ABM has evolved as something that is a great thing to have in your marketing mix because technology evolved. So basically new marketing technologies gave both sales and marketing teams the ability to get better intelligence, to help better identify high value potential buyers. And in the meantime, try and automate some of all that work and also help them you know, track their engagement. So do you think that ABM is really that big of a deal? <laughs> I do, <laughs> I do. Um, and really, you know, the reason why is because, you know, we've had this explosion of digital channels. So we've had the opportunity for buyers, prospective buyers to connect through all these different methodologies. And as a seller or marketer, we can actually test different assets and incentives to see exactly what's working and, and what isn't working. But on the other side, on the other side of the table, as a buyer, you, they have become more interested in the sellers who actually thoroughly understand their needs from the very start. And in short, the reason it's a big deal is because mass marketing is out and what's in is not the one size fit all, but rather more of a one-to-one -one approach. Obviously, as you can imagine, if you're not one-to-one, being one-to-one -one is not really scalable and it's too pricey. So you try and find use technology as a hybrid, 
to help you get to a point where um, you're connecting with people in a way that can separate the wheat from the chafe and move them down your um, buyer journey and your nurture stream. So, you know, ABM works on a whole bunch of different levels. There's study after study that shows the return on investment on ABM initiatives outperforms all other marketing investments. It's things like sales spending less time chasing uninterested leads. The deals they get are bigger because they've been nurturing these folks for a long time. Their win rates are higher. And more and probably magical, most magical of all, is it's aligning marketing and sales teams for real for one of the first times ever. And we know that hardly ever happens. And <laughs> totally. there's always so much friction between the two. So this is a beautiful thing. Um, what do you think is making it work like so quickly and like so well today? Well, you know, it's funny, you know, Sherry, I'm sure you remember um, it was, God, I hate to say it, it was probably 20 years ago where we started hearing <clears throat> the trend um, folks talk about this idea of mass customization. I don't know if mm -hmm. you remember that, but, you mm -hmm. know, back in the day, um, the idea was that people wanted to have their experiences personalized and customized. If right. you go into the Wayback Machine, you may remember back in the 70s, Burger King had huge success with their Have It, their way, have it Your Way campaign, which was really just about getting your Whopper the way you wanted it and that you could get it. You didn't have to be exactly um, the same way as the person next in line. And, you know, but that that concept has has followed us in our whole lives. You know, when you think about not just your Starbucks order, but you think about life coaches and personal trainers and smart home gadgets and lighting and there's everything into our entire life, not just our work life is about having an experience that is customized to fit our specific need, or at least, as I like to say, your perceived need. And, you know, when you translate that to business, you know, the stakeholders in business want to make sure that they're investing in a solution that specifically fixes their problem. And the way that they can get that is to work with someone who has expertise in the field and in their specific field. And, and what that does is it helps make implementation seamless and it makes it so that, you know, this generic solution is really customized for their specific needs. And in order to make that happen, um, you need to be the one who is top of mind for them all the time and relevant so that when they're ready, they're gonna call you. So, you know, in a very short way, ABM just gets you on the radar. That's very true. Very, very true. And we all know that getting the attention of C-levels is really, really tough. Mm -hmm. And I think that ABM is changing that because 75% of executives say that they have read an unsolicited marketing material because it really did touch their company in a very specific way and not just a specific way, but specifically to meet their needs. 
You, uh, Sherry, you absolutely nailed it. You know, that is like one of those like huge stats that is legitimate and is a, at the core of why companies use ABM. You know, mm -hmm. beyond that, you know, what we see with ABM is it addresses three big factors um, for prospects when they're looking to work with a new vendor. You know, the questions they ask themselves is, does this new vendor know and understand my industry? That matters because the idea of spending time trying to teach a new vendor about your industry and your space is just, it's too daunting for, for too many companies. Right. You know, and then right. secondly to that is the idea of, you know, does this vendor know and understand my unique business issues? You know, this is something that ABM can also, you as the vendor can demonstrate through your nurture streams. And then kind of lastly is, does this vendor have fresh ideas that will help advance my business forward? Right. So really in short, people are choosing to work with not just people that they know and like, which is kind of what it's always been in the past, but now it's the people that they trust and you're establishing that trust as you nurture them along in the stream, right? Absolutely, that's exactly it. And speaking of the nurture stream, you know, the, the bad news about the nurture stream is that, you know, while a few years ago, the consensus seemed to be that you needed about seven or eight touch points um, to, uh, or engagements with a prospect before they were likely to say yes. Um, and the statistics on that, varies widely and it really you know it's it's a very much an it depends type of thing but what i can tell you is that we are seeing that it's not uncommon nowadays to need at least 20 touch points before you're going to get an answer and i just want to stop there for a moment <laughs> did everybody hear that 20 right? and not seven or eight 20. So all you people that say, I can't send more than one email a week, how long is that going to take you to hit them 20 times? Yeah, And, you know, Sherry, I know that you know, um, because we've talked about it so many times, about follow-up and the importance of that with salespeople. Yeah. You know, so many deals um, don't happen just because the salesperson gives up before the prospect is quite ready. And those that right. win, even in old timey times before ABM, are usually the ones who just kept at it. And, you know, right. that's until they get a, no. a yes or, or a no. Right. 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 So, you know, the reality is that when you think about maintaining that number of touch points, for a group of prospects, that can be really daunting for any organization. I mean, rightly so. Yeah. So right. the, the key about ABM, especially if you have automation in your system, is it kind of manages the heavy lifting so that that engagement can keep flowing and you can get to those 20 touches without you know, uh, making those really um, difficult on your sales organization um, or even just marketing. Yeah, right. Why don't we talk a little bit about how we can scale ABM so that everything is personalized? Like that might be daunting to some people out there. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, the pyramid approach is really the magic secret sauce of ABM. You know, every successful ABM program implements three levels of targets. And I know that we, we talk about this, um, you know, frequently, but it's really important because Again, study after study shows that you can't just have one kind of target. You really have to have 
all three. And we're gonna talk about what those are in a second. But um, basically, if, if you're running an ABM program and you're not really vibing on those three levels, you really need to do that because you know it, it makes all three work that much. It's like one of those magical, you know, exponentially successful type things. So when we think about the scalability of ABM, it works because at the very tippy top is the elite few, it's your perfect targets, okay? Those mm -hmm. organizations, mm -hmm. those people, those accounts are a perfect fit, even if they don't know it yet, okay? You guys have identified that they are perfect for your solution. They're the ones that should have your most personalized engagement and investment of time and energy. And, you know, I'll be honest on, you know, at enterprise level, some of these prospects, you know, the amount of money spent on every one of them is, is large, it's big, mm -hmm. but it's worth it when you look at the size of the deals and, you know, what's coming on the other end. But again, you don't want to spend hugely unless you know that these guys are ideal and you really just have to convince them of that. So, you know, from there, we have this midsection of the pyramid. This is the group that's known as the one to few. So every company will select this group differently. You know, we kind of like to look at them as the runners up to the elite few. But the key to it really is that they need to have something in common. So, you know, one thing that that could be is something like a business niche, right? So, you know, you need to think about this grouping from their perspective. So might they all be going, if you think about this grouping, what you're trying to get to is a group that you could speak to as a group, but it feels like it's personalized or customized. Mm -hmm. So this could be all the people who are going to the same conference or webinar, um, you know, it's really important that you get this figured out because this is where the scalability comes in. So it's a group that you can classify as a group. So, you know, oftentimes we see our clients will have a particular business verticals, you know, so their solution might work across all types of, you know, businesses, like let's say, you know, manufacturing, right? It'll work for all manufacturers, but when you talk to manufacturers, you need to, you know, niche down a little further and talk to ones that are all making sporting goods or ones that are making pharmaceuticals or whatever. You start thinking about that level of specificity because that's how you start getting your message where it needs to be. Um, and also with this group, then what you're going to do in ABM is you find interesting news, data, stories to share with them that are specifically relevant to them, but not to everybody else. And that's really the key. Right. And right. if you can't do that, you haven't found your group yet. And, you know, I think we have a lot of clients that work in this space and we've done a lot of targeted messaging in this midsection space. And in some cases, you know, I'm thinking about some of the work we've done. It might be that they're all in the same um, business, you know, maybe they're lawyers and that mm -hmm. sort of thing, but you have a different message for different titles. So we could be talking to the office managers. We could be talking to the partners. We could be talking to the paralegals because they might all use the product, but they use it in different ways. So we have different messaging to those different people 
all in the same career or the same business, I should say. Right. And, and you bring up a great point because, and that's the kind of cool part about an ABM program is that you get to create it any way you like. So even using your example, Sherry, you could actually just have, um, you know, some super targeted, you know, um, senior partners as the top of your pyramid that you want to go at directly. And then you could have all um, paralegals as a middle level, and you could have more broadly um, all attorneys that are in a particular vertical like um, litigation at the bottom. Mm -hmm. You know, you can right. mix it up. It's okay. Like we have one client that we worked with where um, they work with a uh, an outside third party um, uh, group that sort of recommends their solution. That was one level of their pyramid that was entirely disconnected from the other two levels. It's okay. Like, you know, your group better, you know, where your influencers are and you can mix it up and try different things until you kind of get to um, where you want to be. But the key is, as you said, is your messaging has to really be able to talk to that group as a group and have that not really be directly relevant for the other groups. Absolutely. And then that gets us to our third group, which I know you're going to talk about, which is the smallest group or the biggest group, I mean. Right, right. And that is, and I touched on that a second ago, but it's really the most broad group. You know, it's the base of the pyramid. It's, um, you know, the rules from the other groups still apply. Um, you know, sometimes the easiest thing to do might be to just broaden group number two. But like I said, you can also create something entirely unrelated. And that's what's kind of cool is that, you know, to me, one of the best parts about ABM is that it is a work in progress. It is always evolving. And um, you know what we always say about that, which is what? Version one is better than version none. We live Absolutely. and die by that for Absolutely. ourselves, right? And, you know, ABM is just such a, a great example of that because it's never finished. It's a science experiment. You're never going to have a perfect launch, but you're absolutely going to gain insights as soon as you get going. So the point here is the sooner you start, the sooner you're going to learn what does and doesn't work. So you might as well start today. That's right, guys. Go ahead and get started. I hope you found this helpful. That's a wrap. As always, thanks for listening. Come back again and listen as we continue our series on creating successful ABM programs. One last note on there. If you want to learn more about building and managing your own ABM program, go ahead and visit our microsite. It is at abm.xpromos.com. And again, like Sherry said, thanks for listening.